It's the Victorian Variety Show. A man after death is not a natural, but a spiritual man. Nevertheless, he still appears in all respects like himself. This is the Victorian Variety Show. My name is Marissa, and that was a quote that I found online from Emanuel Swedenborg, an 18th century philosopher and theologian who was widely cited as one of the inspirations for the spiritualist movement that was so popular in England and America during the Victorian era. Since a number of trends and practices that became popular during that era are still seen today, such as Ouija boards, which first appeared in their present form toward the end of the Victorian era in 1891, tarot cards, and shops operated by psychics. And since I'm personally a fan of paranormal podcasts and TV shows, especially ghost adventures on which you see crew members and guests not only hunting ghosts, but also participating in seances and using Ouija boards every now and then, I thought it would be fun to do a two-part episode on this fascinating aspect of Victorian history. Also, it's October, aka spooky season, so I think it's as good a time as any to talk about this kind of thing. In my first episode, I focused primarily on Maggie and Kate Fox, two sisters from New York who first reported interactions with spirits in their bedroom in the late 1840s and ended up touring the USA, inspiring many others to become mediums. And in this episode, I would like to take a closer look at what conditions in British and American society during the Victorian era essentially helped spiritualism grow and captivate so many people and earn their trust. To recap, spiritualism is centered around two core beliefs as outlined by S.L. Lyon in an article by Maria Highland called Victorian Spiritualism and Seances. First, spiritualism posits that life exists after death. And second, spiritualists believe that we can communicate with spirits through mediums. Along with the previously mentioned Swedenborg, whose spiritualist theories revolved around a multidimensional afterlife in which humans were able to interact with the divine through the assistance of spirits, Victorian-era spiritualism was heavily inspired by the work of Franz Anton Mesmer, an Austrian physician whose theory of animal magnetism helped to pave the way for modern-day hypnosis. In Victorian spiritualism, Andre Dinieko states that the Fox sisters are generally credited with setting the modern spiritualist movement in motion on April 1st, 1848. Although Dinieko notes that Queen Victoria and Prince Albert took part in seances before the Fox sisters became known in 1846, an article from victorianera.org called Victorian Spiritualism and Spiritualists attributes the beginning of spiritualism in Britain to the arrival of an American medium named Maria Hayden in 1852. 
Hayden traveled to London and began hosting seances there, and it caught on. So why did so many people move away from traditional religion during the Victorian era and towards spiritualism? One reason was the Industrial Revolution, which caused large numbers of people to leave their homes in rural areas to work in the cities. When you have different groups of people from different areas and different faiths coming together in an unfamiliar location, I think it's understandable that many of them would seek a bond that they could have in common. And spiritualism fit the bill because it appealed to people regardless of their social class or their background. All one needed to become an adherent of spiritualism really was respect for the dead, as well as a belief that communication with them was possible. And as I discussed in my episode on Victorian death rituals several weeks ago, Death was something that those who lived during the Victorian era saw more than their fair share of, due to mass casualty events like the American Civil War, tuberculosis, smallpox, typhoid, and other infectious diseases, and violent crime in large cities, perhaps best exemplified by Jack the Ripper's killing spree in London in the late 1880s. It seems as though many individuals during this period were able to cope with losing loved ones by believing that they were still able to communicate with them through the assistance of a medium, and also maybe to cope with the prospect that they too would one day die by believing in an afterlife. In addition, a lot of scientific advances were being made during this time in terms of communication, technology, medicine, and transportation, to name a few fields. And even in social thought, as seen in the theories of Charles Darwin, change was occurring at a faster rate than ever before. So even though Victorians might have been eager to leave behind religious beliefs that they saw as outdated and irrelevant, As Highland points out, for the most part, they didn't seem ready to completely abandon their spiritual needs in the face of the largely materialist world often idealized by the sciences. Still, some believed in spiritualism more than others, and not just in the sense that skeptics abounded, as we saw with the committee that was formed to investigate whether the Fox sisters were making the knocks and snaps at their well-attended performances themselves. In a piece called How Spiritualism Gave Victorian Women a Voice, Charlotte Bond tells us that spiritualism gave women, who generally had less power than men during Victorian times, a unique opportunity to help people and even become independent. According to Bond, quote, for centuries, women had been relegated to the domestic sphere and stereotyped as being more emotional and passive than men, attributes that made them perfect for mediumship. And because being a medium wasn't exactly stepping outside the bounds of acceptable femininity, these women were tolerated, listened to, and even admired by society, end quote. Another reason spiritualism had such widespread appeal during Victorian times is pretty straightforward. Spiritualism could be entertaining. As Bond explains, it was common for mediums to channel historical figures such as George Washington and Martin Luther 
in addition to deceased loved ones at seances. And some mediums conducted their seances in the nude, which I don't know about you, but I don't understand how that would help channel ghosts. So yeah, so the entertainment aspect was pretty big. And even mediums who didn't go to such extreme lengths captivated audiences at their seances by doing things like enabling tables to move or producing spirit writings or ectoplasm while in a trance state. Highland notes that ectoplasm was a quote-unquote cloth-like substance that would emerge from the medium's mouth, nose, or ear, which was considered proof of a spirit trying to take on a material form. But even though seances played a pivotal role in the practice of spiritualism, they weren't the only game in town, and spiritualism was frequently featured in the arts of the time as well. As photography, which, as we know it anyway, made its debut in 1839 with the daguerreotype, became more accessible, people saw opportunities to experiment with this revolutionary new art form. So it's not surprising that it became common in the early 1870s for photographs to be taken of what many believed were apparitions at seances to offer definitive proof that life existed after death. Even though, in an article called Odd Details About Victorian-Era Spiritualism, Amanda Sedlak Hevener states that spirit photographers like William H. Mumler quote-unquote doctored photos by using quote, double exposures, odd mists of light, and anything deemed otherworldly to show that ghosts were present and surrounding their still living friends and family members, end quote. The fact that large numbers of people found these photos convincing suggests that these photographers were eagerly exploring the possibilities of photography and coming up with some pretty groundbreaking techniques in the process. Spiritualism also had an undeniable influence on Victorian-era literature and journalism. Another article on VictorianEra.org called Supernatural Victorian Era suggests that even though interest in traditional fairy tales and stories about witches had largely faded by the Victorian era, an interest in stories about ghosts actually seemed to grow stronger. And a number of prominent Victorian writers, including British writers such as Charles Dickens and Arthur Conan Doyle, and Edgar Allan Poe in the United States, featured ghosts in some of their best-known works. And, as Dinieco points out, along with spiritualist societies that emerged in Britain in the second half of the 19th century, a spiritualist press emerged, which included such publications as the British Spiritualist Telegraph, the Spiritual Magazine, Human Nature, and Medium and Daybreak. Although most of these publications disappeared before the end of the Victorian era, I do think it's worth noting that this press developed not only to serve the desires of individuals with an interest in spiritualism, but also possibly as a response to the mainstream press, which was often highly critical of spiritualism and mediumship. And with that, I'm going to end this overview of spiritualism for now, but this is a topic I may revisit in some way in a future episode. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I happen to be very interested in spiritualism, but also 
I may want to focus on a specific spiritualist or a prominent individual whose interest in spiritualism is not so well known. Or there may be another topic related to spiritualism that I decide to explore in more depth. Several of the resources I consulted in preparing for this episode were written over the past few years, which to me suggests that even though there's already a wealth of information on this topic, researchers are eager to learn more, which I think makes history in general so exciting. But also, I don't think it's possible to end my examination of spiritualism here because it intersected with so many other areas of Victorian society. However, I do think it's crucial to have a basic knowledge of where the Victorians' interest in spiritualism came from and what it meant to so many people at that time to develop an understanding of this era. And I hope I was able to help you see some connections and clarify some questions that you may have had. I'm interested in finding out what you think. Email me at the Victorian Variety Show, one word, at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at at VictorianVariety1. And I keep forgetting to mention this, but you can also leave me a voice message. I would love that. There's a link to send me a voice message at anchor.fm slash marissa hyphen d96 slash message. Also, if you'd like to support the show financially, you can do so at www.buymeacoffee.com slash marissadf13. And if you do, I will mention you in an upcoming episode to show my gratitude. Also, there's a new feature on the Anchor app that allows me to ask a question that you can respond to. And I've been eager to test it out, so I'm going to add a question. And if you happen to see it on Spotify or wherever you're listening, I do know it's on Spotify, but it might be on some other apps as well. I would love to hear from you that way. And finally, I would really appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, as it'll help a lot more people find out about this show. Thank you so much for listening and for all of your support. I really hope you found something in this episode and the previous episode on spiritualism that you found interesting, and I will also have links to all of the resources I consulted in preparing for this episode in the notes. I'll be back in two weeks to discuss a topic that I think will be appropriate for an episode that's released the day before Halloween. Until then, I'll leave you with a quote from The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes by Arthur Conan Doyle. That, I think, strongly hints at his interest in spiritualism. As it calls to mind a belief that there is more to the world than what we can easily see and prove through, let's just say, more rational methods. Life is infinitely stranger than anything which the mind of man could invent. We would not dare to conceive the things which are really mere commonplaces of existence. If we could fly out of that window hand in hand, hover over this great city, gently remove the roofs, and peep in at the queer things which are going on, the strange coincidences, 
the plannings, the cross purposes, the wonderful chains of events working through generations and leading to the most outre results. It would make all fiction with its conventionalities and foreseen conclusions most stale and unprofitable.